Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say Go Steelers! member of Sports String Network. It is June 20th, 2022. This is Tom coming to you from the Underground Studio in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost, and we were unable to do this episode yesterday, so I'll wish you today a happy belated Father's Day to you fathers out there. I had a tremendous Father's Day. I will thank my children. I got a very nice Polish shirt, but I also got some reading material Playmakers by Mike Florio. Very much looking forward to that. I'm sure he writes a good book. He obviously has a wealth of information. I also, for my activities, had five glorious uninterrupted hours during which I took my bike up for the first ride of the season, came back intact. Nice. Helpful. I'm no road warrior. And I got the power wash for an hour and a half. I mean, that's a man's Father's Day. And yes, happy Father's Day to the number one father. And that's none of you listening. That's you, my dad. You're my favorite. I'm not biased. But getting a power wash, I know that's pretty much your ideal Father's Day. And then getting to read some um, slightly conspiratorial uh, NFL literature you know, at your leisurely pace, that's going to be pretty beautiful. And I've heard some of the excerpts from Florio's book. He's told some of the stories. They're amazing. Like there's a story about in there about how a few years ago, I guess Mickey Loomis – He's uh, works in the front office for two New Orleans professional sports teams, both the Saints and the Pelicans. And they had just traded Anthony Davis one summer or something like that. Superstar MVP candidate center uh, for the Pelicans at that time. They traded him to L.A. And then, but like, or they were in the process of trading him to L.A. And they had a deal on the Saints side of the thing with the Cowboys to send Sean Payton to the Cowboys. It was already in writing it was going to happen and then the anthony davis trade came through and mickey loomis i think it's mickey loomis said i can't be the guy who gets rid of sean payton and anthony davis in one offseason for new orleans so i am nixing that trade and i'm pretty sure that is florio exclusive sort of knowledge that's shocking i mean i I can't remember the last time we've had a major coach trade like that it's sort of shades of the belichick retiring on a napkin after one day coaching the jets type of material and uh, so I think that there's a lot of really cool stories in there that are not totally public knowledge or maybe not widely proliferated. And I'm glad that I sort of gave myself a present on Father's Day, which is knowing you'll get true enjoyment out of reading it. But I wasn't going to read it because it's a book. Sometimes that's hard to do. And now I'll get to hear the stories from it. So thank you for Father's Day. Uh, of course. Well, you're being modest. He, he does read. <clears throat> and I'm going to read off the script that we – this is uh... – this has actually been a pretty good offseason. We're, we're usually kind of wringing our hands, hoping there'll be something to talk about. There is no lack of 
things to talk about. Oh. The number one story, Minka Fitzpatrick signs a record-breaking contract. Let me just give you a couple of parameters here really quickly. $73.6 million, $36 million guaranteed, guaranteed, as they say. So that places him numero uno in terms of total cash. He is, uh, depending on how you measure these things, in the top three of guaranteed money. Yeah. I think that this is the most no-brainer, easy signing the Steelers have made since one year ago when they signed T.J. Watt. So you're talking about two guys, one who's won the Defensive Player of the Year, one who was, and he's in it every year, T.J. Watt, one guy who was in the running his first year with the Steelers and is universally agreed upon to be one of the very best safeties in the league. I know there's been some weird back-and-forth conjecture over like the last year of like, oh, maybe he's overrated, he's not, but just follow any good film Twitter account and you'll see. Ask, <laughs> Look at any interview from any head coach, Minkith Fitzpatrick is a massive deal in Pittsburgh, and he's spectacular. So that is really off the table. I mean, especially, like, since the Steelers don't have anyone else who can play deep and so much of his responsibility, it is almost a Revis-like impact. We're like, whoop, they're not going to throw towards him. So you don't get to see all the splash plays of Troy Polamalu blitzing because I am sure that everybody is inherently comparing him to Ed Reed or Troy, the guys that they saw a lot at safety. Uh, and he's just such a different player. He, he is a little bit more in the Ed Reed mold, but guess what? They don't throw to him quite as often. So he's amazing. He is, knock on wood, super durable. He's extremely smart. He plays a position and a style that should last the test of time where this is a five-year deal. He should still be awesome by the end of this deal. I mean, the Honey Badger only just started slipping in the past year or so, and so I think that with a, with a free safety, you can last to year 10, 11, 12, and still be a really good player. And then obviously off the field, he's spectacular. Like he's a super hard worker. He's a good leader. Everybody loves him. He doesn't get into trouble, whatever, whatever. It's such an easy signing. And I told you one of the things with the podcast is I don't want to take this. There's just a lot of hackiness that goes on in sports media and in Twitter, right? So I guess the hacky approach to this thing is we could have led this segment with how could you have a problem signing Minka Fitzpatrick to a deal? Because there are plenty of people on Twitter who are saying, like, you know, anytime you sign any player, they think that there's this magical draft right around the this this Steelers 1970 draft or whatever it was, or the Seahawks were like, just just draft multiple Hall of Famers and don't pay them that much. It's not that hard. Why would you pay a good player when he gets <laughs> when he gets up time for a contract? Look, um, I understand why people say that just because as like a math equation, it sounds good. But that, that's my response is like you pay the great players, especially the guys who are super consistent like Minka and have no baggage. And then you just, yeah, you just pay them and then you get a really good team. That's how it works. Who wouldn't believe that Omar Khan was criticized for this because to your point, how hard is it to just pay the guy the most, the highest salary in NFL for for safeties. And I would say, when you look at the details of a contract, there are a lot of variables. There's guaranteed, there's cash, there's cash up front, there's backloaded, there are avoidable years. All There's a lot of complexity because he can't just worry about one player. He's got an entire team to worry about, right? And you, uh, I'm trying to look up the data, but so the Steelers have the highest, pay, purportedly the highest paid defense. I'm not sure if they're measuring right. cash guaranteed or what, but and the lowest paid offense. 
So he's got a – and he has who, – who do we have to sign next year? Well, Deontay Johnson's one that they're thinking yeah. about, but obviously have flexibility. Yeah, exactly. Like you, you kind of just locked up the two superstars at the perfect time in their career when like they'll still be pretty great by the end of these contracts at edge rusher and safety. I mean, I don't, uh, I, I love it. And I guess I did sort of end up taking the hacky take of like, how could you have a problem with this? But um, I guess I just wanted to focus on more that this should be one of those relief things. I just feel like Ben's era. Uh, which is also, you know, James Ferrier and Ike Taylor and James Harrison, all those guys. I feel like this is just how guys got signed every year. Like, well, of course they signed Woodley. And ironically, that one didn't turn out great. Like, yeah, of course they they extended Aaron Smith. Of course they signed James Harrison. It's just a, such a stealer signing. Like, oh, this guy's awesome. And he's super reliable. It's great. I think it's spectacular. And I guess my analysis of the situation is I'm so glad they got it done so early. And I wonder if this is a little bit of a sign of the changing of the guard from Kevin Colbert to Omar Khan, because traditionally this deal for a Steelers superstar player gets done literally within three days of the first game, because I believe TJ was like that. And I believe uh, Cam Hayward was the same way. And then I've, I think Ben doesn't really count the quarterback deals. They get done in other ways, but it just seems like they always wait to the absolute 11th hour since they don't negotiate contracts during season. And it was kind of cool to see this get done in June, and I was really surprised when I saw the news. I said, "Oh, awesome!" Well, let's well just I guess check a couple. Of, wasn't AB the first non-quarterback to get an extension before the end of his term? Wasn't that Did like he, an early? They pushed money to him. They kept like restructuring and just pushing him later money. So I don't even know if he broke. No, he didn't. I believe it was. No, I don't know. I don't think they extended him. But I do remember what they did is they pushed money up towards him every single year. And I loved that they did that too because the argument against it will be, oh, that's a dangerous precedent to set. But I think with somebody like A.B. or like T.J. Watt, who's the guy who the first guy who they've given like extra guaranteed money to uh, besides Ben, I think with A.B. and T.J. Watt, it's so easy to make to the point to the players. It's like it's, it's Antonio Brown. Like you're, you, you, just, you have no argument that you're on the same – hemisphere as this guy and same with tj watt so i think those were calculated risks that the steelers took and a good sign that they're flexible and modernizing yeah and i think you're on to something about the the changing the philosophy because the steelers generally don't guarantee more than a year's worth of of salary and obviously minka at 36 million his average is what 18 he's basically got two years guaranteed that's kind of unusual and i have to say i don't think that's just because omar khan's a gm he's been gm for two minutes this maybe have been in the works uh, I like the fact that the Steelers also have adopted the hold-in is acceptable yeah. to lock guys in and you know make sure that their practice, uh, they're not from their their standpoint, they're not going to get injured before a contract's done. So there does seem to be some flexibility in the way the Steelers are dealing with their their signings now. Yeah, and the players are just going to continue loving the Steelers for this. I mean, there's you just can't find a player who has a bad word about them. And it was even J.J. Watt was talking about the Steelers the other day on McAfee when, they, you know, they always bring up the question of his brothers and like, hey, why didn't you come to Pittsburgh, play with your brothers? And he just he praised the Steelers relentlessly and said, yeah, when I talk to T.J., it's the, um, the point that he gets to is like, yeah, Tommen's the exact coach that everybody thinks he is. He's super personable. He's tough and hardcore, and he tells you exactly where you stay. Everybody loves playing for this guy and, and that front office as well. So that's a big deal, and I'm hoping that we see that really pay off with this Kenny Pickett, like, hey, we're going to go with the rookie contract, 
And especially if we're going to go with the rookie where, okay, we didn't wait for years to find, or we didn't trade up for a Justin Fields or maybe a more ballyhooed prospect. We're taking the guy who's like, okay, it may not be the highest ceiling, but he could be a good quarterback, but let's use the rookie contract to the advantage. So I hope they use the Steelers being well-liked and Kenny's rookie contract as an excuse to make some massive signings within, you know, next year, I would hope that they make like a, a big splash free agency signing. Cause otherwise you can say everybody loves playing for the Steelers and that's great. But then what does it like get them <laughs> besides being morally sound? Yeah. And I'm really curious to see what they do with Deontay. I mean, we've talked yeah. about this ad nauseum, right? How much do they value? How much do they want to take a wide receiver who probably is definitely not in AB's league, but Relative to what they can get in the league, uh, is he worth the money? We, we will see. We'll see what George Pickens can do. I mean, that might that that yeah, that's exactly. me might, and I'm not even sure. Would he be taking Johnson's place? I mean, they kind of have a nice balance now. If they move Claypool to the slot, they have um, what like an X and a Z yeah, receiver. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I think that I think that the goal would be to put Pickens at that spot that Johnson's in too. Yeah, he's supposed to be a number one receiver who can win on the boundary and do everything. So. I, I really think, especially since they got him in particular, not Calvin Austin, who's going to be a, a fun player, but that Pickens pick is us all sitting here like, well, but we're not going to sign yet. We're kind of going to turn around in week 10, and we should be able to tell about George Pickens. That's the funny thing, too. Like with these Steelers receivers, you've been able to tell by week 10 of their rookie year how good they are. If you look at the last few, it's been Claypool. He was great. I know he's controversial, but he was great his rookie year. Juju, same thing. Martavis, same thing. James Washington didn't really do much, <laughs> and that's kind of how it panned out. So I'm reticent to say that we're going to have to make a final ruling on Pickens by week 10 or whatever it is. And I only say week 10 because Juju and Martavis – well, Juju might have started earlier. Who am I thinking? Yeah, Juju and Martavis started like week 6 or week 8. Like they waited until halfway through the year. So I, I gave them a, a few weeks. Whereas with Chase Claypool, you probably knew by week 4 or 5, like, oh, this guy's really good. But I guess that is a perfect transition because I realized I didn't put this on our script because it just came out. Our friend David was just texting me Chase Claypool's quote. Have you seen it from today? Just now. Yeah. So we got to find a fun way to cover this because this is such a common NFL offseason story. One player makes a proclamation that he's a good player and that he thinks he's a good player. But he did say, I'm a top three receiver in this league. And, of course, people are going to rip him for it. Obviously, we know on the podcast – well, like talent-wise, he like that's kind of what he looks like. He's Julio Jones and Calvin Johnson-esque. He's gigantic. He's gorgeous. I mean, the man's insanely handsome. He's fast and he's ripped. He he's a freak of nature. He actually does have the body type of a top. And and some of the plays he makes are top three receiver-esque. Where you you'd say it's actually not insane to think that. But obviously, he's just missing one important skill, which is consistently catching the ball. Or finding where it goes through the air. So we know he's not a top three guy. So I don't want to take, I don't want to have the preordained conversation here, which is what are they supposed to say, right? Like that's usually it. I want to ask, why three? Like, why not five? He shows a lack of confidence. (laughs) Or like five, like I'm a top 10 receiver. I'm a top, I'm a top five. I'm like, does he have two other guys in mind? Or was that him trying to be like, well, I want to be confident enough to know that I could be the best? And I feel like five is almost selling myself short. Or is he thinking like, well, no, I mean, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson are better. So, but other than those guys, I got him. Well, he set his own, he set his own milestones at 
what, 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns. That that's gives what he us something. That's what he predicted for himself. So that, that gives us something to watch. And maybe we'll do that with, uh, we might put a little skin in the game. Yeah, let's put a little skin in the game and let's do that. We don't. I'm trying to look at where 1,300 yards. We don't have yards. an advertiser, do we? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we we, we got to start one. So 1,300 yards is right above Tyreek Hill and right below Mark Andrews. So that would have placed him seventh in the league last year. And as far as touchdowns go, got to resort here. Would you, I'll, I'll, filibuster, I'll filibuster for you. What were his rookie stats? And, and obviously keep in mind, worst offensive line in the league and Ben on his last legs and offensive coordinators who didn't know how to call plays. So even those could be a little bit low, but he, he definitely put up some decent numbers his yeah. rookie year, right? He had 62 receptions, 873 yards, and okay, that was there. that. But that the big one was that he had nine touchdowns. Yeah, a bunch of them rushing though, huh? He only had 16 yards rushing, 10 10 carries, what? 16 yards. Yeah, that feels wrong, but maybe some of them were jet sweeps because I know he had a ton of yards on those end arounds, but. Yeah, I guess that's just my only qualm is that I just, you know, I don't know where your head's at. That uh, three? I mean, I feel like five is just a more sensible, like top five. That's what we always do. Or one. You know, I'm the best receiving league. Just do that one, Chase. But, you know, I'm still a fan of him. My, I, I hope that people can develop the opinion a little bit more. <laughs> my opinion. I guess is what I was about to say. But well, uh, my opinion it. is like, no, I really like him. He's great. And he does annoying things. And I can still like him and say like, yeah, it's pretty annoying when he does annoying stuff. Isn't what we want him to do is just to stay on his feet. Cause he, t- he has, he has been able It'd to make nice. some combat catches. I think staying a little yards after catch is going to help his game immensely. Uh, it would help his game immensely. I don't know how much you can learn how to track the ball, which is just his other problem getting downfield. And then the whole stacking defenders, like, it's not easy to just run past guys. There's an art to it, and he doesn't seem to have those things down. So do I hope for that? I don't know. But I definitely hope for him to stay on the feet a little bit more, work on those things specifically, and then I do hope that they use him better because I really think they should be looking at him more like a Debo Samuel or a DJ Moore, these catch-and-run type guys, instead of always trying to send him deep because I think if you give him that juju roll from two or three years ago where he's running all those mid-length crossers, that's where he's like a star. How is the slot receiver utilized in the Canada offense from what you can see? Are the jet sweeps really on the guys on the edges and the slot receiver is not going to be involved that much. I mean, no. he was Juju got a lot of targets, but I don't think they're anything unusual. They run. I mean, they'll run the jet sweep to a slot guy too. Chase has got them there as well. I like our buddy, Derek, the kid on Twitter's comments about the Canada offense. He just puts, quotations around the Canada offense because we're not really sure if it if it exists and then obviously there's a lot of uh I'm sure that the the Ben thing made it difficult on him last year to call the right plays that that only makes sense you know the guy's been running system for 18 years and like we said last week it's probably the right move but uh I don't exactly have faith that it's just going to be revolutionized like you couldn't work within the confines of 18 years worth of plays like that's that's too limiting for you I come on let's not give him an entire pass that way so you had mentioned that the uh the players keep giving give, giving us quotes and there is a long long time stiller alumnus yeah. who threw out something he looks something triggered him and i have no idea why he would be sending that out now yeah rashard Menonol. this is happening more often he sends out these crazy tweets every so often but here's the tweet from rashard i begin okay here it is 
I never fumbled that ball. Dot, dot, dot. Super Bowl. Dad, what's XLV? Yep. I don't know what it is. Yep. Okay. I never fumbled that ball. And he hashtags the Super Bowl, the Green Bay Packers Super Bowl, where he fumbled uh, the ball while the Steelers were driving in a Packers territory. Uh, game was 21-17. Steelers were driving. Fourth quarter. Rodgers gets the ball back, goes down, scores. Game's kind of over. I never fumbled that ball. My coaches would feel like assholes to say that I did. Period. Or, er, let's see. Comma. I never did. Should have been a semicolon. I was separated, all caps, from the ball. Comma. Four yards into the backfield. That's the running back equivalent of a strip sack. There's capital. Nothing I could have done about it. Respect my career, period. And then hashtag free 34. That's wild. All I'm going to say is that he retired to go write on TV and, and do art and stuff like that. And, you know, I retired early from football to do art as well, so I understand it. But I do kind of like when the guys who, who kind of tout their other interests outside of football, I like it when you see, oh, they do care about football. They do care. Uh, now, do I like it when you just exclusively blame your offensive line for you Literally fumbling it, like that's what a fumble is. They take the ball out of your hand. And Alex Kazora did point out, yeah, the blocking was terrible. I, was it Clay Matthews or was it A.J. Hawk? I think it was Clay Matthews who came in there. One of those Nordic gods came in there and ripped the ball out of uh, Mendenhall's arm. And if you look at the play, as Kazora pointed out, like he actually had good ball security. But I would I would counter, he, he didn't because he dropped it. It might have looked like he had good ball security, but that was a Mendenhall issue. He he looked great. That spin move this is the greatest spin move I've ever seen in my life. But, dude, you can't fumble there. What are we doing? You can't be ripping your teammates way down the line. How do you feel about this tweet, Dad? I'm sure you love it, being born you know, when you were. I'm just wondering why he's sending a tweet out 12 years later. Yeah, it's June as well. What's going on? Slow news month. Respect my career. I do. Uh, under four yards of carry, man, they didn't have very good offensive lines. So, uh, yeah, I liked Mendy when he played. He was a little frustrating, but he was pretty good. Always crazy to think, now that they have Najee, that was the last first-round running back they took was Mendenhall. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. He had three th- – He so he's, he was with the Steelers for six years, ended up at uh, Arizona in his run. final year. He had yeah. three 1,000-yard seasons for us, a respectable 30 30- – 30-ish, 29 touchdowns. So he was a good player, and they didn't have a great offense at that time, too. You know, uh, I'm glad that he cares. You probably don't want to be throwing everybody under the bus that way. Respect my career, period. And then hashtag free 34. Hey, we we said we don't like to predict games. We don't look at the schedule and predict, uh, you know, a 9-8 and season. But you do have to wonder if we've – the strength of schedule – has weakened a bit when you look at Deshaun Watson's potential future. And now they're talking about it. So And, uh, and they're talking about a year. Like they're going to give him a year, which is actually what I, I don't know if I've said on the podcast, but that's been my prediction kind of the entire time. I don't think they're going to do the Trevor Bauer two-year thing because I think that it's very clear that the NFL does not care. They just want the biggest stars on the field, and especially if you get them for an interesting team like the Browns, you're talking about a top-five quarterback in the league. I I feel like their strategy is going to be a year, and it'll blow over, and we'll get them back in there. Um, you what, 26 allegations now? That's so many. Uh, so it is going to be hard for him to play this year. 
And you're right. That makes the Browns a lot easier. They're still so crazy talented, but I just would have a good feeling about the Steelers. I, I think the Steelers could actually sweep the Browns. They would actually have a chance at that this year if he doesn't play just because I think the vibe around the team is going to be all wrong. You know, what's, uh, this should not be a surprise, but I was a bit surprised that the NFLPA is going uh, is going to vigorously defend him against such a penalty. They And they're, they're comparing what is being uh, purported for Watson to the conduct to which the owners and management are held. They're, quote, the quote-unquote right. ownership and club or league management have traditionally been held to a higher standard and will be subject to more significant discipline when violations of the personal conduct policy occur. And specifically, they're going to point to Dan Snyder, Robert Kraft, guilty yeah. of Hand pretty much guy. the same, yeah, pretty much the same uh, type of activity, and Jerry Jones, who reportedly had protected a player. So, right, I mean, right. good point. I and mean, we've we've talked about every time there's a controversy of this nature, uh, we talk about this the NFL's uneven handling. Now the uh, the NFL has hired a disciplinary officer, uh, Sue Robinson, a retired federal judge, to sort of separate this and get Robert. Uh, Roger Goodell out of the equation. So presumably, you know, she may be able to weigh these things in a bit more judicious manner. I'll be curious because I, when you think about Ray Rice, right? Yeah. The picture of him in the elevator. Of a video. The video. Yeah, clocking her. And it all comes back to Ray Rice. And speaking of Mike Florio again, that's what he says. Like, Goodell almost lost his job over that. So they're going to take this seriously. They're, they're going to – it's just going to take – I guess with the amount of accusations, it's going to take to like 2024 for them to even like resolve all the cases. So they're just going to – and think about this, Dad. They just suspended – what's the receiver, the little receiver from Atlanta? I don't know, Ridley. They suspended him a year for betting, I want to say like $500 on a game when he was not with the team this past year. He took the year off and he bet on a game. And they're like, oh, he was betting on NFL games. He's an NFL player. He's suspended for the whole year. I didn't hear that story. Yeah, it was a few months back. Oh. Stupid of him to do it, but at the same time, it was like 500 bucks. He's not at the team facility. He's not like in the NFL, technically. He took the year off, like a mental health issue. But uh, they suspended that guy a year. So it will be crazy when Deshaun Watson gets the same treatment. And we know, like, look, this is the dark side of the NFL. It's just about money for, for, the, for the owners who are at the very top. Like, that's why, because if there's somebody gambling, that's going to take money out of their pockets. That, that would make, uh, especially with the proliferation of legalized gambling, gambling you could think, oh, the, the league is rigged, and that would really affect your profits. Whereas they've kind of shown, like, you can, you know, people can get past uh, player misconduct and stuff like that to a certain extent. Do you recall last week during the, our episode, we, we were talking about a favorite under-the-radar stealer that we used to, we tracked each game. We had a little, we had a little um, segment. Yeah, a little little cutout during our segment about oh, David, no. David Johnson. It was Will Johnson, and oh. this is even better because the segment was called Will Will Johnson Get the Ball? It's the worst, best segment ever known to man, but that actually makes this even better because we constantly just – we decided David Johnson and Will Johnson are the same guy. And I can't remember who came first, who came next, or if they had overlap, but they're both great age backs. Is he back? Yes, he may be. He may be back. He's not back now. He is a running back, free agent running back, uh, whom the Saints did not re-sign, but uh, conjectured <laughs> to be looking at the Steelers. And what is the quote? The quote is, "That would be a great place to be at." 
A new David Johnson, you're saying, right? I mean, yeah. I'm assuming he's reincarnated. Yeah, he, he's new. That's brilliant. I love the sound of that. I think that uh, we'll be following his career closely. We'll be tracking it here on the podcast, and we can do that thanks to Sports Drink. Sports Drink sponsors every episode of the Steelers Outpost podcast these days, and we are so thankful for Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. They're a newly created internet community that tries to find the intersection of sports and not sports. They're here to help us grow, and they're here. The copy says something, but I realize what they meant to say is they're here to love the Steelers and exclusively the Steelers, and so are we, so that's dope. Go to sportsdrink.org or open Instagram and type in at sportsdrink, spelled like sports drink without the vowels, to learn more. Hey, before we get out of here, we haven't talked about this, but it's so noticeable when you see any photos or videos of training camps, these guardian caps that the players Oh, are my wearing. gosh. How have we not talked about that? Yeah, it, no, give me the concussion. I'm sure so, they're all saying the same thing, yeah. Uh, I'm you know what, I, I, I'm jaundiced, and then I, I read a little bit more about them. They, they are, uh, so they're not going to use them in, in season, to which I said, do you not care about the players? But, you know, like everything, it, there's, there, it's not a panacea. Studies show that many factors contribute to concussions. It's yeah. including force, the place of the impact, brain development, previous history of head injury. So this is not the be-all and end-all. It's, it's, you know, it's one experiment to reduce the driving force. One drawback of the caps, and, and if you think about what those things probably are, are and they're, they're rubberized, is that yeah. they don't deflect off of each other as easily. So you could literally, you know, where you would have a glancing blow against the normal helmet, these things might tend to stick together for a second as opposed to just sliding off of each other. So that slightly increases the chances of neck, neck injury. Um, oh, neck injury, gotcha, yeah. So the technology has advanced to the point where some players are wearing sensors in their mouth guard that provide extra data about the impact, and Jeez. that allows the the you know the, the developers to have information that they otherwise couldn't develop cool. in a laboratory. So uh, it, it's interesting. I don't, I don't know if it looks hilarious. It looks cool. I, I really like the. You used to anything. It's a bobblehead. It's like there used to be a bobblehead mode on either. Uh, oh yeah, on NFL Blitz, the greatest video game ever created. And they're basically. They found that in real life. So, yeah, whatever. I guess you get used to anything, right? I remember when the first, when the when the Pro Air helmets or whatever the heck they had, the Revolution helmets came out, Peyton Manning would wear them. They looked so goofy. Actually, they ended up getting rid of them. But even, like, the newer helmets that they have now look so goofy. And now we don't care. Hey, look, I, when those when those face masks first came out, I said they'll never stick. And I turned out to be wrong. Hit us well, up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, 
the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.